Ladies and gentlemen, this is Book Music. I am Tosh. And I'm Kim Lee. And what we do on our show on a regular basis is talk about books that are about music. It could be a memoir from a musician. It could be music history. It could just have the word music probably, right? We, I mean, are we that fussy? It can use the word music somewhere in... Within the sure, why not? We make the rules. Yes, we make the rules. <laughs> We're in charge. <laughs> but today, we have a memoir. And it's a memoir by Momus. Real name is Nick Curry. They go by the name of Momus. The book is called Niche, a memoir in pastiche. That was perfect, Tosh. <laughs> we should tell the listeners that I've been practicing for at least 12 hours. <laughs> Well, you know, the tricky thing is, it was interesting because when I was reading uh, the intro to the book, he talked about the title and he said, see, niche actually has two correct pronunciations. And he said he liked the word because it sounded like Nick. So I think he must pronounce it niche. Well, niche, niche is niche not, rhymes with pastiche. Yeah. So it I, sounds te- better. Technically, they're both correct. Yes. There's a, there's a British and I mean, an English and American um, pronunciation. I think one is niche. I want to say niche for some reason. Uh, yeah, no, I think it's niche. It's, it's niche. Niche. Oh, niche. Okay, niche. I think it's niche, niche and niche. Yeah. Niche. I'm not sure if one is American or British. I don't know. And what is the definition, the definition of niche? Do you know? Um, I think it it's sort of like um, a niche is a sort of little area of expertise kind of um you know, if you have a, a niche expertise, you know something about some small thing, but you know it really, really well. That's sort of how I think of niche. When you know this, something a lot about sort of a small piece of something. And this this is actually a good title for this memoir. Mm-hmm. Niche by Momus. Yes. A memoir and pastiche. <laughs> well, and the pastiche get- part is definitely oh. important. I mean, he even says in the beginning... Uh, I pulled a quote, he says, pastiche, after all, has always been a part of what I do as the musician Momus. I mock, I copy, I channel. So. Yes. And pastiche, this particular book, is told through 217 narrators. Yes. It's Momus story, the Nick Curry story, told through 217 narrators. It's important to note that they're all dead. <laughs> he had a funny bit sort of uh-huh. near the end of the book where he said uh, he delighted to discover that people he admired were dead so that he could use them as one of his narrators. <laughs> yeah, and he has a quite a wide range of narrators. Yeah. Now, yeah. I know we of the 217 narrators, uh-huh. Uh-huh. 37 I do not know at all. Oh, you I, counted. I counted wow. last night. As That's I was not talking bad. To, as I, I, was, I would say it's about half for me. There was a lot that I didn't know who they were. As I was practicing to say the word niche, <laughs> I counted at the same time. You're doing your vocal exercises. Yeah. I may be wrong. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's 40. I mean, you know, because sometimes you get distracted while you're counting. Sure, sure. Yeah, but so around 37 people I didn't know. Oh, uh, that's pretty impressive that you knew that many. There were a lot that I didn't know. And then there were some where when I looked it up, I was like, oh, okay, well, I know that person's work, like the person who uh-huh. put together the Hardy Boys books and the Nance. Like, I didn't know his name, but then when I Googled it and right. saw who he was, I'm like, oh, well, I know what that is. 
you know, and the author of the Babar books, you know, things like oh, that. You know, I fell for the same one. Um, oh. <laughs> I, know I read those books. And, yeah, of course. Yeah, everybody I, did as a kid. But I, I put it, I put that in the category of the writer. Of, I knew who they were. Yeah, yeah. I, I, but I, I didn't know the name. Yeah, exactly. I cheated. Exactly. So there were a bunch like that. And then there were some people whose names I knew, but I wasn't really familiar with their work. So, you know, it's somebody, you know, an author who I've heard of, yeah, you know, and I know the basics, but I haven't read mm-hmm. their work. Yeah, so. that too. And yeah. um, um, it's interesting, these 217 are all, these 217 narrators uh-huh. telling the story or, or a segment in uh, Momus's life um, are all, uh, writers, uh, some artists, some educators, right? Musicians. Uh, and, th- and some musicians. Majority of them, I think, are like philosophers and writers. Yeah, I would say the bulk of them were writers and philosophers. But um, there were, and there was uh, some filmmakers. He had Brisson yeah. and my hero Jacques Tati. Yeah, Jacques Tati. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Now it's a very eclectic uh, list. Um, so it was a lot of fun and there were a lot of things I actually discovered that I was like, Oh, I'm going to go and check that out later and, uh, uh, see what that's all about. Well, but, okay. First of yeah. First of all, this book is very well written. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's beautifully sentence structures, good paragraphs, very readable, very much. Of a page yes. He's Even, an English uh, literature student, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, definitely a page turner and yeah. it's, it's it's formatted very well. It's like the chapters are by decades, but each segment is is by a particular voice or, or narrator. Right. And he also imitates pastiche, um, uh, the, the the writer's or that person's voice. Right. Right. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. I mean, I was a little bit hesitant when I saw that there was sort of a, a I'll say gimmick for lack of a better word, uh-huh. but. Um, I thought it actually played out really well. I was like, can you know, I wasn't sure this would be sustainable, you know, throughout the entire book, but I actually thought it worked quite well. Um, well, that's you had a lot of fun with it, you know. Yeah, the fun part was actually you can. Okay, this fun part is if you if you want to, you can Google names you don't want. I mean, you don't not want to me. The ones know. you don't know. Yeah. Uh, but also, if you do know the person or their work, you can sort of reflect on their writing style that Momus imitates. Yeah, and uh, uh, and it's all and it's all done res- with great respect. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like trashing anybody or. or oh, definitely not. But there's no. certainly a lot of tongue in cheek too. Tongue in cheek, so, yes, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely not serious. He, no. He's having a lot of fun with this. Yes, he is. Yeah, and, I actually, I loved in the childhood section when he was uh, talking about boarding school, mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm. narrators that he had for his boarding school were hysterical. It was. Uh, Edgar Allan Poe, Anthony Burgess, Michel Foucault, Albert Camus, Virginia Woolf, Henry Darger, and Alexander Solzhenitsyn. And I was like, okay, so <laughs> boarding school is psychosexual dystopian gulag, you know? <laughs> really got a little carried away with that, but it was hysterical. <laughs> but he, I mean, he clearly had a lot of fun choosing the narrators for the different, you know, sections of his life. Yeah, he has, he has Jean Genet, he has William Burroughs in the early yeah, part of the chapter, yeah, um, uh-huh. Franz Kafka, uh-huh, uh-huh. Mickey Spillane. Uh-huh. Uh, he, had a, he had a great childhood. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> Artie Lang. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, we're focused yeah. on the madness and insanity, yeah. and uh, and even uh, uh, Stockholm, the uh, composer. Yeah, no, he's all over the place. It's mm-hmm. it's uh, definitely an impressive list of people. And um, I did appreciate right in the preface, he says, uh, you know, he brings up the idea of the unreliable narrator because I can't respect a memoirist who pretends like you know this is all fact what they're about to say well this is such a fine line between fact and fiction just say that up front you know (laughs) this is actually a big interesting subject with me um yeah um because some people feel a memoir okay there's an autobiography uh uh, there's biography of course Uh the biography has to be very factual with footnotes or you know yeah you have to talk to people it has to be very research Yes. Research, research, research. Yeah. Uh, autobiography, but specifically a memoir, is a person that's telling their own story. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't have to mean the story is true or or even false. It's their version of their story. Exactly. Their life. exactly. And I think a lot of people sort of forget about that. Um, yeah. And there's actually there's a famous case, the guy, what's his name, Fry. Um, yeah. Yeah, I know. Do, I know. insane. Um, John, is it Jonathan? Oh, I no, can't recall, but I know the case you're talking about. Yes, uh, uh, were upset uh, that he had exaggerated certain things, or they he wrote a memoir it. about his drug experiences, which yes. apparently he made up. Yes, and Oprah like went after him like crazy. Yeah, he mistakenly, in my opinion, apologized for writing this right as a memoir. Um, because it doesn't matter what he says, like it's his version of his truth or his version of the story. Exactly. And I mean, so many people had gotten something out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, why does it matter whether it, it's factual or not? I mean, if you if, if it moved you in some way, isn't that yeah. what's important? So, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. People get very hung up on those kinds of things. But um, well, especially when it deals with like sex stuff or or or, or, yeah. or drug memoirs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, if it's something that's bragging about stuff, there some people are just like Earl Flynn's book, My Wicked Wicked Ways. Uh huh. Masterpiece, by the way. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, it's been known that he, you know, made up some of those stories there. Nobody right. really cares. But if it's right. like if it's about a story about a person going through like a a, um, a drug program, or 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 being somewhere in real time, but they certainly uh-huh. made it up. Uh-huh. People get really upset about that. Yeah, uh, I don't. I, no, I, I, don't I, I don't. I don't care about that at all. No, I don't either. It's like uh, if I enjoy reading it, that's all that I care about. Same with me. I'm <laughs> an easy customer. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm pretty critical because it takes a lot for me to enjoy something. But mm-hmm. if I enjoy it, I don't care whether it's true or not. Whether these events transpired in any kind of real time is yeah. insignificant to me. But, a niche. I think it's 100% true. You think so? Um, <laughs> uh, women love him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lots of women love him. I yes. That's true. Yes. Um, he's very he has well a good sense of humor about himself. I will say that. You know, yeah. he doesn't take himself seriously. He makes fun of himself, which I always appreciate because, yes. you know, as soon as somebody starts taking themselves too seriously, you, you feel like, okay, what is this person hiding? <laughs> what is he? I don't think he's hiding anything. No, no, no. It's interesting because he does talk a lot about, uh, you know, he's he's very attracted to sort of wireistic uh, culture, and uh-huh. I think he 
it's part of why he seems to live in so many different countries. He likes being an outsider. Yeah. He's kind of examining things with an outsider. Yeah. And then he also, a lot of what he does, his YouTube uh, videos and his blog and all this kind of stuff is sort of, you know, very, he's showing this sort of, it's obviously very prescribed, you know, he's very aware of what he's putting out in the world, but it's also very voyeuristic on both ends, you know, it's like, he's a voyeur, but he also puts stuff out there for other voyeurs. It's, it's a very interesting dynamic. Yeah. And he never goes anywhere that's boring. This is true. You know, my first exposure to him were his YouTube videos. I think you uh -huh. probably turned me on to them a while ago. Um, you know, he's, he lives all over the place. And we should explain that he is a U YouTuber galore. Yes. And he has a regular like series of uh, lectures that he gives. Mm -hmm. um, from um, when I first discovered, um, I've heard of Momus like forever. I mean, I, I didn't know his music. I knew his mm -hmm. name since um, the 90s, the early right, 90s. Right. But, um, but I did start watching his YouTube videos when he, where he gave these lectures on various subject matters. Yeah. And um, he was living in Kyoto at the time when I first saw him. And, um, and then he traveled throughout Asia, and he still kept up doing these YouTube lectures. And, right. and then um, now he's in Berlin. Uh, and it's, it's very interesting. He's a really good travel writer. Um, yeah. and it's interesting because he, you know, he, he spent a great deal of time in Japan, mm -hmm. uh, living there as well as working there. He wrote uh, songs for, um, some J-pop, uh, figures, sort of undergroundish right. Japanese pop singers. Right. And, um, I was in Japan at the same time, practically, um, uh -huh. either living or visiting at that time. And what he writes about that, like Tokyo specifically, I identify, I identify what he writes about. Yeah, I you enjoy, yeah, enjoy that part. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, I actually, I loved uh, the part, the first trip he makes to Japan, and he uh, uses Ray Bradbury as his narrator for that. It was great, because he really evoked that sort of foreignness and otherworldly quality you know it, it it was clearly the first time he'd been someplace that was so different from any of his western yeah you know european experiences even though he had he would had been lucky enough to travel quite a bit as a child you know his family lived in greece for a while and yeah then in canada for a while so you know he had been exposed to other things outside of his birth country of scotland but um obviously japan was completely unlike anything else he'd ever experienced. And I know from what you've told me, it's you had similar experiences as well. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because it's him writing songs for another artist there in Japan. Um, it's totally a different world. I mean, in the sense that, uh, since that whole culture perceives things differently, you know, like all cultures, yeah. of course. But yeah. you're so, like, I feel very, actually, I feel very, very close to Nick. <laughs> right. Well, you, yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, he's a few years older than me, a few years younger than you. So a yeah. lot of the stuff that he's talking about, we relate to generationally. And he's, his aesthetics are very similar to yours. And you've both spent a lot of time in Japan. So. We do have similar aesthetics. Yeah, very um, similar. Uh, he's my doppelanger. I think so. I think so. I think I actually wrote this book. 
<laughs> and he wrote my book, Tosh. There you go. There you <laughs> no, go. I'm just joking about that. Yes. He wrote the book. But I feel very, you know, um, I, I don't want to say I'm, I'm well-read. I, I am well-read, I guess. But, <laughs> but, you know, the majority of the 217 uh, narrators, I do know who they are and I know their yeah. work. And, yeah. and it's also people I really appreciate and, um, and enjoy. Yeah. And so, and his love for music is very interesting too. Um, listening to moments, uh, we both listen to Momus' music um, to prepare ourselves for this yes. show. And I knew his music off and on, you know, but I never, I never really sat down and listened to, I try to listen to his albums chronically. Mm -hmm. That is, uh, he has released a lot of records. Uh, I know. I haven't listened to all of them. <laughs> I'm still working my way through. But but the people that he reminds me of, his music, uh -huh. speaking of pastiche, is yes. a guy named Jake Thackeray. Have you heard of him? No, Jake Thackeray, no. Jake Thackeray. And Jake Thackeray is a British folk, quote-unquote, singer uh, -huh. uh from the late 60s and 70s i might be getting the decade slightly wrong but he's uh -huh. very very unique he's sort of like a um, a troubadour mm -hmm. or a chanson you know like a french chanson singer but singing in british of course and very british uh -huh. and his what other time period is he from i think like the late 60s and the 70s okay and um it's actually his music is kind of timeless because basically it's him and his guitar singing uh -huh. stories uh -huh. And the other uh, person that I know that um, Momus admires is uh, Jacques Morel. Yeah, that I can definitely hear. And Jacques Morel comes up a lot on our show, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. David Bowie. And of course, he's a huge David Bowie fan. Well, yeah, I mean, Bowie is his god for sure. Howard DeBoto and a magazine. Magazine. Cox yeah. And David Bowie. Uh, but when I listen to the Momus records, I hear a lot of the, the uh, uh, of um, of uh, Braille and yeah, uh, and, and, and you know. Oh, Serge Gainsbourg is another one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He definitely is influenced by that stuff. Yeah, strong Serge Gainsbourg, um, especially when he uh, start working uh, writing songs for uh, a Japanese uh, singer. Yeah, it's the same kind of dynamic as well, you know, with Gainsbourg writing songs for all the young uh, starlets. Yes. <laughs> the starlet pretty funny yeah i listened to uh i listened to some of those songs i found them on youtube they were they were fun they're very mm -hmm. actually french and you know that that little breathy girl kind of french singing <laughs> well it's just nothing you know i don't i don't know how long we're going but but like french pop is really really popular in uh, japan oh you know my discovery of french music uh, <laughs> is actually through, in, through uh, tokyo yeah, there's a there's a really interesting relationship between France and Japan in culture. I mean, like um, the literature and the film, it's there's a real interesting back and forth. I think the Japanese Hashish. definitely love French culture. Pastiche, I think, is the word we're, we're looking for. <laughs> the pastiche, yes. <laughs> and I think, in the sense that the French loved Japanese culture and Japanese loved French culture, mm -hmm. Momus loves both cultures the same way. So right. same. Yes, he spent a lot of time in Paris. And, yeah, and he's not an expert of those cultures. He's like a visitor. Yeah, he makes a point of saying that. That yeah. he, I mean, I think didn't he say he didn't even learn the language in Japan, and you know, he and he sort of liked being that outsider and 
and having that perspective of an outsider. And I, and this is another thing I have in common with him. I feel the same way. I like yeah. being an outsider. If, I, if you're inside too much, then you have to totally embrace that culture in a way that you have to participate. Right. You know, and it sounds kind of mean and cruel, but, but actually being an outsider gives you more freedom in any yeah. culture or any, you know, yeah. Well, and can you ever really be an insider anyway, no matter how much you try to ingratiate yourself by learning a language and, and learning all the customs, you're always going to be an outsider in one way or another. It's yeah. never going to be the same as being born. Well, there, there's, I mean, you know, I've, I don't know anybody personally who went through this, but I've read many books from uh, written by either uh, European or Americans who are trying to conform to a Japanese culture. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And most of them fail miserably because of course, they're kind of yeah. bitter about it because <laughs> uh, they want to join. Yeah, There's two types of people. If people want to join, uh-huh. who wants to be part of a system, wants to be that. Right. And then there's people like me <laughs> and moments. Yes, yes. <laughs> Am I being too egotistical here? While we're <laughs> That's okay, Tasha. <laughs> I think we have a podcast, isn't that what it's about? Being egotistical. Yes. Well, that's the nature. Of, that's the nature of reading, though, right? Like when you yeah. participate in reading a book, you're putting yourself into that person's life or that you know or right. that person's viewpoint. And right. I think Momus, uh, this book, this memoir is, is 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 really is a gateway to to put yourself into the story or into that world. Right. You know, if you love, if you love like Bertal Brack, you love Bowie, you love Jacques Borel, you love Momus music, uh-huh. you are, you you're going to be in that niche. That 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 that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That rarefied world. And this book is, is definitely exposes and deals with that rarefied world. That's what he does. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, what I love about it is he clearly has an insatiable curiosity. And that's how I feel too. And it was interesting because he had a, he pulled a quote from uh, John Cage. Uh, So John Cage said, as soon as I understand something, I no longer have any need for it. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I feel that way too. It's like, I, I'm always up for the challenge. It's, you know, and I just, I always am curious about the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, you know? I mean, for me, I, I rarely get to a point where I feel like I understand something completely. But I, I really <laughs> but don't, I, I don't want to, and I don't think Momus wants to either. He always right. wants to be for the student right. or the um, doesn't right. want to. Master. He wants to be the jack of all trades of sorts, or something who. Yeah. Well, there's always just them. many, many layers and layers and layers of depth of anything that's actually interesting. You know, you're yeah. never going to understand it completely. You're just going to keep digging away and that's what's fun you know yeah if you get to the point where there's nothing else to examine then you know you might as well shoot yourself you know it's like what's the point you know well you need to keep examining things so so for more so momus wrote at least uh one two three or one two three four like six other books uh-huh. Have you read uh, no, any of his other books? I have not. I have actually I have like three of them but I haven't read them yet. Uh-huh. Um because I'm the type of person who buys books and put it aside, the bed. Yes. <laughs> Aren't um, all book geeks like that? Yeah. <laughs> but it's, so he, you know, he gives like lectures. He, you know, he's, he's a book writer, a published writer. This is uh-huh. book is published by FSG, uh-huh. uh, which is like, a, you know, uh, one of the big American publishers. Yes, yes. And, and beyond that, a great 
great, great uh, publishing house. Mm-hmm. So it's quite, I mean, if I was a writer, it's just, it's quite an honor to be published by FSG. It's, yeah. Anything else, it's really, wow. Yeah. But, um, so most, so, so the way he's, you know, he's, he's totally the independent artist. Um, uh-huh. Even though he was on big labels in the 90s or big indie labels like Creation Records mm-hmm. and L Records, all very interesting labels of its time. Um uh-huh. You know, he's very like a self-contained artist. Right. You know, like he does a YouTube, you know, it's it's just him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he makes records. I think it's all pretty much like laptop technology. I think it's pretty much all sampled music he does now. I'm mm. sorry. I mm-hmm. could be wrong. I mean, he maybe used uh, real instrumentation, but I hear a lot of sort of sampling. But at this point, well, his music to me, from what I've listened to, seems like it's it goes all over the place. I mean, he's obviously interested in a lot of different mm-hmm. approaches. It's not like he has one kind of sound where he's doing the same thing over and over again. You know, some of it's very sort of singer songwritery, and uh-huh. some of it's more dance music. Um, so it, he definitely enjoys exploring different genres of music. You know, he does not want to be. Uh, <laughs> pinned down to any one singular kind no. of music which uh, i admire you know i think uh-huh. that's great you know for me some of it i enjoyed some of it more than others but um i like when people you know are willing to take a risk and do something that's different from what they're known for doing i have to say that his he did a whole um like a trilogy uh he did a whole he did like uh, he did a whole like record of magazine howard devoto right yeah, yeah, you the, told me to listen to that one. I did. Yeah, and he did good. the Bowie song. And um, yeah. in my opinion, I think it's like the best versions I've heard of Bowie song uh-huh. by another artist. Right. Um, because he... Yeah, that's got to be kind of intimidating to do that, you know? <laughs> he, he, he did it because, you know, with his limitations and that, you know, like the studio limitations, you know. Yeah. Uh, but also, uh, it's very imaginative and it's very uh, Momus still. It's like Momus singing yeah. Bowie. It's not him trying to be Bowie. Yeah, yeah. Or trying to sound like Bowie. It's it's his. It's like him as an artist approaching another artist. Yeah. And he does that with Devoto and um, and Bowie really good. And the Bowie stuff I thought was 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 really great. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I think, you know, it's clear that he's a big fan of the Ulipo writers. He had uh, Raymond Cano and mm-hmm. Georges Correc as narrators. And, you know, his whole book, it's got sort of a, you know, a, it's an exercise of sorts with the, the narrators. And, um, yeah. you know, and I think he, he clearly kind of sets himself some kind of constraints on every project in the same way that the Ulipo writers do. You know, he, yeah. he's really into that. Well, that's part of the fun of reading this book. I mean, the book, yeah, for it, sure. It, you know, the, you do you definitely go through two hundred and seventeen narratives. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's it's especially fun when you are familiar with the work. Um, uh-huh. you know, I I get a, I got a lot more out of the chapters. Of, you know, for the people that I was familiar with the work, because I got all the in jokes. Um, yeah. you know, when you have to look someone up and you don't know enough about the work, you, I'm sure I missed a lot of things. Uh-huh. Um, it's still enjoyable, obviously, yeah. and it's actually even if you just kind of read the quick blurb on Wikipedia, you get enough to know where the perspective is. Um, but it it helps to know what what they're about. Yeah, Nietzsche is very much of a, uh, it's a, it's really a highly textured uh, read. I, I read it mm-hmm. twice. 
I know you did. <laughs> and I have to say, reading the second the second reading, I enjoyed even more. Yeah. Oh, good. And I very rarely read books twice. I know you were a little hesitant. You were kind of well, like, "Oh, I, well, I've got so many books to read. Yeah. Uh, should I read this again?" Yeah. I mean, yeah. I get that because there are so many books to read. But I could. Uh, I read this book in I think in April. Yeah. Uh, of this year, and um, you know, we're going to do a show on this, and I, you know, and the book is so textured and so layered. Yeah. There's no way I could, you know, three months later, you know, talk about this book. I had to reread right. it. Right. Of course. And of I, was, course. I was like, okay, I'm going to reread the book. And <laughs> I really, really got into it. I really, really enjoyed the oh, second nice. read greatly. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting, you know, uh, the way he writes it, it's an interesting combination of just sort of these very sort of ephemeral, dreamy blips and then they're sort of punctuated by very like concrete, tiny moments. You know, mm-hmm. he and, you know, because he's sort of in our age range, I also kind of really love like you bring up little pop culture things like drinking Tang as a child and yeah. Earth shoes, things that I hadn't thought of since I was a child and which, of course, are completely inconsequential. But as a child, those were such pivotal moments. You know, those things yeah. were so important to us as children. So he, he really evoked that feeling um, you know, I thought he brought his memories back in a very, very... It does high way. culture with low pop culture yes, yes. and products of, uh, of of his life and, you know, from his decades. It was, yeah. you know, he lived in Scotland and, uh, right. and it's really good at bringing, you know, stuff that we know because we are, we do share. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it was interesting to read about the Stars Forever album, uh, which uh, is one of the favorites that I've been listening of the stuff I've listened to. And I didn't realize uh, until I read his memoir, because I didn't know about the album, that he actually had, what was it, like 30 people pay him $3,000 a piece to write a song about them. <laughs> uh, you know, I haven't heard the record yet. Yeah, this is great. Oh, it's good. It's a good record. And, uh, and when, I, when I heard that, I was cracking up. And I thought... I actually thought it was funny that he didn't have Andy Warhol for that one. He had Andy Warhol as one of the narrators, but... I thought he should have had Andy Warhol for that chapter, but maybe that's too obvious. (laughs) So I would like, he offered, you. he he would write a song, record a song Uh under, uh, like you you have to commission him a song, right? Yes, yes. It was like uh, Jeff Koons did one and then, you know, a bunch of just fans, you know, Mm -hmm. commissioned a song and... Yeah, yeah. He paid like two thousand dollars, or is that? I the think fee? he said it was three thousand. I can't remember it was pounds or dollars, but yeah. <laughs> so he compiled all those songs for an album. Yeah, yeah. What's yeah, the name of the great. album again? It's called um, Stars. Stars Forever. Okay, I have to give that a listen. Yeah, yeah, it's good. But once I learned what he did, that made it even better. <laughs> yeah, good idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Being an, indie, but, uh, being an indie music person, you have to be very creative. <laughs> well, I think that was actually why he did it, is he needed to get some cash fast for one reason or another. Um, you know, being a celebrity doesn't always mean uh, you're going to have lots of money. So, <laughs> you, Everything he does is very kind of uh, lo-fi or low, you know, no budget. Yeah, well, I think he's, he's definitely adamant about not compromising himself. You know, he wants to do what he wants to do. And clearly, you know, being, you know, a billionaire is not important to him. I think he just wants to be able to get by and live comfortably and make a living yeah. as a musician. He seems yeah. happy with that. I, I would prefer the freedom as well. <laughs> so, Momus, Niche, and Memoir in Pastiche. 
All right, Tosh. You, you haven't said the title yet. Can you say the title? <laughs> Niche, a memoir in pastiche. <laughs> okay. By uh, Nick, Nick Curry, mm-hmm. otherwise, a.k.a. Momus. Yes. By uh, FSG, brand new book. Yes. Coming out on the 14th. Yes. This podcast is going to be on the 15th, so you can order the book you know, as soon as you hear this. Immediately. And I recommend that you do uh, read the book, buy the book. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, and uh, you'll learn a lot of interesting things for sure. Yes, I learned a lot. All right, well, thank you for listening to Book Music. Um, please join us next time. I think uh, we're not quite sure. We're hoping to do the new Chris Ferrand's memoir. The drummer of Talking Heads and Tom Tom Club has a new memoir coming out. Yeah, it just May came out. Love. Uh-huh. Talking Heads, Tom Tom Club, Tina. Um, so uh, I haven't gotten a copy yet. So we'll see how that goes. Hopefully, I will get a copy in a time. Yes, it, we're, we're living in difficult times where yes. the um, uh, the mail is extremely slow. Yes, well, and, and companies are having trouble packing things yeah. up and shipping them, and so. Yes, everything is uh, tentative, but uh, if it's not that, we will find something else fun to to do for the next Always podcast. Always fun. Sure. Yes. Always a pleasure. <laughs> so definitely come in, uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, and you can find links to everything, including playlists for all of our episodes. We're going to do a moment's playlist for you. Yes, yes, which should be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And you can find everything on our website at bookmusic.com, B-O-O-K-M-U-S-I-K.com. Excellent. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye, everyone.